your hour of drive time begins now with your host, Jay Mamie, on the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Good day, everyone, and welcome once again to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. This is Jay Mamie, and you have now entered your hour of drive time. You know, there are just some days I get up excited about what's about to go down for the rest of the day. And today's one of those days, folks. I woke up today looking forward to the show, to making sure that I put together the content that you're going to be able to take home for the rest of the week and thrive upon it. And today's no different. In fact, I'm also I'm also excited about the fact that next week is our 100th episode. Two years ago, we started a journey here on the radio station, and boy, we have grown and blown up big time. And that's because of loyal listeners like you who have continued to spread the good news of what Jay Mamie, the talk show, was doing and bringing thrive-minded content week after week with incredible guests, subject matter experts, and the kind of folks who live the life that exemplary and can leave behind traces of what you can do to improve your situation in whatever situation that you are looking to improve in. It could be business. It could be family. It could be your finances. It could be faith. It could be health. It could be your mindset. And that's That's what this show has been delivering. That's why we are approaching our 100th episode, and I've got a big one planned for us the following Sunday, so make sure that you put it on your schedule, the Jay Mamie Talk Show 100th episode. And for those of you who have not had an opportunity to listen to our prior Archive, our prior uh, episodes, rather, you can go to the jmamietalkshow.com and check them out. We're on all of the podcast platforms. We've got a library of fantastic content. All 99 shows, including the one today, will be up. And you can binge here all you want, my friends, and make sure that you share if you care because this show is changing lives. And I'm excited today about our guest who's in studio. I met Mike Williams. About a month ago at an event, right, Mike? Yes, it was, uh, it was a great event. My wife, uh, actually, and her partner actually wrote a book called We Got This Sis. Mm. And I've learned that in order to be a good husband, you better follow your wife. That's so, right. <laughs> <laughs> so she said she wanted me to uh, come and be one of the guest speakers uh, at the event along with a couple of other uh, great athletes. And that's where we met. And uh, you know what it's all about. It's about relationships, and, and it starts with a with an introduction. So I'm glad to be here. That's right. That's why I always tell people, I encourage people, never turn down an invitation because you never know who you're going to meet there. You're 100% right. Right, and that's how you and I met. I hosted that panel, and, and you and I, we just clicked right away. And, it was, and that's why we're here today, to bring some value to our listeners. But for those of you who don't know Mike Williams, Mike Williams is a rock star <laughs> in Texas. <laughs> I mean, he's a Baylor U Hall of Famer. Yes. Right? You're also an all-academic uh, Hall of Famer. That means that he is not only a great athlete, as you'll find out more in a minute, but he's also academically gifted, and he's took advantage of took a, a, every advantage possible for him to learn and to grow as an academic as well. But he's also an NBA champion. 11 years in the NBA. He spent uh, his championship season with Detroit Pistons. He had a, a few... Uh, Interesting teammates during that year. He'll share that story in a little bit. Rodman and uh, Scotty Pippen were on that team, and we were no, having... no, no, not Scott, oh, not Scott, definitely not Scott. Not he Scott, was a friend no. of mine okay. off the floor. <laughs> All right, so but you you still have some interesting stories, right? Yes, yes. Um, but he also, uh, matter of fact, held some records at the uh, when you played with the Timberwolves over in Minnesota. Yes, sir. Right. So and he played here in Dallas for a short stint. Uh, one day. One day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, really enjoyed my time here as well. 
So he he's an all star in every aspect of the word, and now he is the uh, founder and president CEO of Three Eye Contracting, and uh, so he's doing some fantastic things and helping people in in different ways and just impacting lives. Speaks all over the place, uh, just a recognized face, and he's all about helping others. And he he really has a heart of a giver. We were just sharing a, a little bit of what he's planning on, on what he's doing currently to help others in need. And we're going to probably dive into that as well. So Mike Williams, welcome to the Jay Mamie talk show. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, my dad told me you, you, you spoke about the Minnesota Timberwolves on the record. Uh, I was blessed enough and lucky about four or five of those should have been misses. I made 97 free throws in a row mm. in uh, 1992 actually. And, um, my dad would tell me all, all summer because it, it carried over. I made 81, and I went into the next year. And he kept saying, you got to get to 100. So, you know, you guys got to be really, really thankful. And I know you guys are hard workers yes. here to be this year 100 show. Yes. So congratulations. Thank you, that. brother. I, it, it's, it certainly is um, a work of passion. That's right. And I believe it's a work of uh, that's that you're called to do certain things and I realize this is something I'm called to do. You know, it's just another expression of who I am as as an inspirer, influencer, improver, and instructor to help others thrive. That's really what this is about. But I would like to to have our listeners learn a little bit more about you in your early years. We we know what you've done recently. We're going to piggyback on that. But I like to hear people. I like to have people share their earlier story growing up so that our listeners can relate. Yeah, well, I grew up right here, uh, right here in Dallas, uh, right there in Oak Cliff, close to Redbird uh, Airport, uh, uh, Redbird uh, Country Club at the time. Mm-hmm. And we were, I was blessed, my, me and my siblings, we were blessed because my dad was always in our lives. And one of the things that he taught us at an early age was to always work, do something. Someone asked me a long time ago, she is actually the principal at uh, Wilma Hutchins High School. So we had our first meeting because, uh, and I, w- I like to delve into it later, I created the Mike Williams Assist for Life Foundation where we train kids in the southern sector, the construction industry. We start them out in the ninth grade, and by the time they get to be juniors and seniors, we they get an opportunity to have a degree in it mm-hmm. um, and also have job opportunities. Um, but in our first meeting, the principal is looking at me. She says, Mike, you don't even remember your first job. I'm saying, yeah, I was a bag clerk at uh, at Minyards. She goes, no, you cleaned out my mom's mm. uh, flower bed. And I went, what? That was your mom? <laughs> she says, yes. And I remember you used to walk me to school. And I remember I cleaned out that whole flower bed, snakes, rats, and everything. But I was going to get that $10. <laughs> Persistency. So my dad, that's right. My dad taught me that. Uh, along with my my siblings at an early age that you have to work for everything you get. I mm-hmm. uh, grew up in Oak Cliff at that time over at Keith's Park and everybody, anybody listening, you remember that? That was full of soccer fields. And I actually played soccer, football, and basketball. And my dad, rest in peace, was with, with us today. Right now he'll tell you I was a better soccer player than basketball. Mm. But as Oak Cliff started transitioning from a diverse environment to more of a African-American minority environment as I got to be a junior and senior in high school. I said, well, if I'm going to get a chance to get have a scholarship, mm-hmm. I focus on basketball where I ended up making All-State and, and, and in my opinion, going to one of the best universities in Texas, Baylor, mm. where I had an opportunity to get my education and uh, All-American there. 
So what lessons did that rich upbringing, right? Very diverse, very rich, great people in your lives. Uh, what lessons did you learn back then that still serve you today? Um, it's several, but but number one is uh, you never, ever know who's watching. That's right. And it's what you do in the dark. There's so many people that's out front and they're saying this and they're doing this and they're doing that. But at the end of the day, when you're watching them, when nobody else is watching you, that's who you are. I always ask people, uh, old, young, female or male, black, white, brown, red, it doesn't matter. Who are you when you look in the mirror? Mm. Because you can't lie to yourself. That's right. Um, it's something like you got a great body, man. And, and the fact that you're working out again, you're going after that, you put it out there. And you told the world, this is what I'm going to do. But you can say it, but when you look in the mirror, you know if you're doing it. That's right. That's why I tell people all the time, if you ever want to really lose weight, put it on your mirror. Mm -hmm. Most people don't want to do it. No, they don't. So that's number one. And number two is uh, my faith. Um, I did not come from a holy-as-thou family. Uh, my dad believed in going to church. My mom believed in going to church. Uh, but my dad gave us a choice. When I became old enough to make a choice, he looked at me and said, you can go if you want to. Mm. What? I don't have to go? He said, you can go if you want to, if you get something out of it. So church, along with relationships and even marriage, to me, is a choice. So that's number two. And number three, you got to put in the work. Mm -hmm. I said it earlier, but you have got to put in the work. Someone asked me, Maybe 10 years ago, uh, I was speaking at an event and it opened up for question and answer. Say, what's the difference in playing in the NBA and owning a company or trying to get into this very competitive business called construction? I said, in NBA, you know the ones that's going to last because you see the young guys that are working out, taking extra laps, shooting extra jumpers, mm -hmm. and the great ones like a Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, who was already gifted. And when they're in Kobe Bryant and they're doing extra things, they just elevate themselves to the Hall of Fame level along with LeBron James. But guys like me that was, you know, I'm a hard worker. I'm going to put in the work. I'm out thinking. I'm going to look at the film. You have to put in the work. Most of the people that you see walking around or driving around, they're in it for every two weeks. That's first right. First and 15. Mm -hmm. And they say if the boss comes and they look up and then they're trying to do some work as soon as he leaves, they say, okay. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I was here. Someone asked me a few years ago, one of my employees, one of three hours employed, they don't work for me. We work for our clients. But they want a raise. And I said, what have you done to get a raise? He said, well, I was here every day. <laughs> I showed up, didn't I? I showed up every day. I was on time. Okay. So I think those are some of the three things, a um, few things that I've learned. And um, and one of the most important things is you got to continue to move forward. Mm-hmm. And you see a lot of people that get complacent in life. That's right. And you have got to continue to move forward. So you are, and by the way, brilliant words, brilliant words. So you are a role model to others, clearly. But who in your youth was a role model to you then? And, and who's a role model to you now, years later? Wow. Um, <laughs> that's a great question. The first one is easy. My dad was my role model. Mm-hmm. For him to get off work, coach me in soccer, football, and basketball, then my younger brother, football, basketball, soccer, and my youngest brother, six, uh, football, basketball, soccer. So he was the head coach for all three of those teams. And for him to 
graduate SMU coming out of Shreveport, Louisiana. And he was working at um, the, um, he told me he was working at the VA hospital. Okay. Literally dealing with dead bodies. Mm. And he saw in the newspaper that if you took a test, you can get in SMU's business school. You got to take the test to get in and you got to maintain a certain GPA. And he did that when he was after the age of 30. Wow. So, and he went and got his degree from SMU and he always stressed education, education, education. I actually got moved up to the varsity at the tail end of my freshman year. And as a sophomore, I go in and, you know, all of a sudden I got cute. Mm-hmm. Girls start like, <laughs> <laughs> but believe it or not, back then in Oak Cliff, Carter High School, Kimball, uh, they had cap programs. So when I was a freshman, I was in class with sophomores. Matter of fact, the girl of my dreams is Amanda Reed, if she's listening. Uh, <laughs> I saw her, she was a sophomore. She handed me a paper, and I talked to Jimmy Corzine, my buddy, and said, that's going to be my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they had a cap program. And when I got moved up to the varsity and going into my sophomore year, I went to my dad because my grades went down. And I said, well, put me in regular school. My GPA go up. My dad looked at me and said, I tell you what, I'm going to take you off that basketball team if your grades don't go up there. So it taught me discipline at an early age mm-hmm. that you got to get your education. You know, uh, the fact that your dad was a role model says a lot, especially coming off the fact that we just had Father's Day about a week and a half ago. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I think today there aren't, sadly, there's a lack of fathers as role models. And I think that's going to hurt our society moving forward. Are you right? Because you're a byproduct of a solid dad who was a solid role model mm-hmm. you you eliminate him from the equation and you may still be you but it may not be the you that you are today you're 100 percent right? right right so on the when we pick up the conversation after the break uh mike i, I want to talk to you a little bit more about competitive sports and what did you realize about competitive sports uh that you didn't know prior right so hold of the game whole hold of the ball game when you get to that competitive level you learn things about yourself. You learn things about others. You learn things about the culture, the environment, mindset. I want to talk about what you realize, uh, what competitive sports can do that you didn't know prior. Oh, no worries. No okay. problem. And I'm we'll pick up that it. up. We'll pick that up after the break. What's holding you back from achieving your dreams? Your boss? Limited income? Business ownership can fix that. Owning your own business with a proven track record of success is the very definition of franchising. My name is Rudy Federico, and I'm a 30-year veteran of franchising. As a franchise consultant, I help people achieve their dreams by connecting them with the right franchise business for their circumstances. To learn more, visit my website, FranchiseWithRudy.com. My name is Rudy, helping entrepreneurial dreams come true. Hey guys, your website sucks. At least dealing with it probably does. And your website is the center of your marketing universe. So that's really not good. Your website lives in the weird world of the geek, which is a realm that is almost inaccessible to normal humans like yourself. Since 2004, your web guys have been bridging the gap between small business owners and their web presence. Because at your web guys, we will build your website so you can build your business. Here's the deal. We will go over 268 checkpoints on your website, which will tell you what's wrong and how to fix it. Go to WebsiteHealthCheck.net to get this great value. Friends, this is Jay Mamie, and I'm thrilled to announce that our merchandise site is now open for business just in time for the holidays. My inspirational quotes, encouragement words, and thought-provoking phrases can be printed on a number of very cool items to help you stay in thriving mode. 
Make sure to visit my website, thejmamie.com. Look for the store link. Check out the items. Once again, that'll be at thejmamie.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the J. Mamie Talk Show. Having a fantastic conversation with the one and only Mike Williams. Mike, when we left off in the last segment, we talked about role models. And I know you had something else you wanted to share. Yeah. As I got older, I picked up role models, um, whether it was in school. Um, I used to watch the guys, a uh, guy by the name of Chet Brooks, who ended up getting going to AM, and getting drafted by the uh, San Francisco 49ers, uh, Kevin Kelly. These guys were all at Carter High School. So uh, the athletes at that time were always competing on and off the floor field. So, And they used to announce people that made the A and B honor roll. So if I hear Chuck Brooks' name but Kevin Kelly, who was a smart guy, Elma, and I would say, you know what, I got to make that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So I don't know if it was role models or it was just people that you saw, that you looked up to and mm-hmm. you wanted to kind of emulate. Mm-hmm. And when I went pro, I was blessed enough to have a guy by the name of Dave Bing who's a Hall of Famer, okay, uh, NBA Hall of Famer, but he also later on in his, in his life became the mayor of Detroit. Oh. But he owned Dave Bing Steel, and he took a liking to me. Again, mm-hmm. I tell people all the time I was the fourth guard in a three-man rotation with the <laughs> <laughs> Because you had Joe Dumars, Isaiah Thomas, and Vinnie Johnson. They had success, and they had a three-man rotation. So I played it about every fourth game or somebody got hurt. But Dave Bean picked me up one day and took me to a steel manufacturing company, steel supply company. And I'm looking at him. I said, wait a minute, you're Dave Bean, and you own a steel company? He says, yeah. Yes, while I was playing, I started learning more about steel and owning a steel company. And he became the largest minority steel uh, supply company in the United States. Wow. So that's what got me looking at not only the NBA, but what do I want to do outside of that? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would say, you know, as an athlete and going through high school and college, and then when I got to the pros, Dave, Dave Bing, he probably even know he's a role model of mine, wow. but I just looked at, looked at him from a distance. There was someone I wanted to kind of copy. Well, look at the impact he's had, right? He taught you the steel business, and here you are, successful owner of 3i Contracting, right? One of the most uh, successful companies out here. Thank you. Uh, so, let's let's chat about competitive sports. And what did you realize? What did you realize rather about com- competitive sports that you didn't know prior? Oh, great question. And the thing that I do now, when you see these kids that are nine, ten, and are great, great, they're just better athletes than the ones. In basketball, you get the kid that can dribble better than everyone else. Mm-hmm. You got different levels. So when you leave junior high and now AAU and you get to the high school level, now you got to put in a little more work. Then when you get to the college level, you got to put in a little more work, but you also got to have more discipline. Mm -hmm. And then when you get to the pro level, in my opinion, it's where do you really want to be? Because every year people get drafted. Mm -hmm. My dad told me, you mentioned uh, going to the Mavericks. Uh, coming to the Mavericks, um, I said, well, I'm going to be with the Mavericks. And my dad looked at me and said, well, you know, every year they draft a six-foot, 280-pound guy. Mm. You're not seven feet. You got to get somewhere where you can play. And uh, when the Mavericks released me, it was the saddest day of, of my life. But um, I looked at Gar Heard. i never forget the three faces. Gar Heard, uh, Richie Adubata, and Noam Sanju. 
They saying, I'm not saying you're better than Steve Alford, but I'm also not saying Steve Alford is better than you. So we're going to cut you, the business side, we're going to cut you, but we're going to bring you back on two 10 days, and we're going to play you. And that was the first time as an athlete that I cried, and I can say that openly, mm. that I cried because they never gave me a chance to play. Mm. Now, business-wise, I understand it because I'm from here. You put me in a game, I have any success. You have to sign me for the rest of the year because they had to take on my contract. You release me, bring me back on two 10 days. This is my business hat coming mm-hmm. on. And you play, then you can sign me to a, a contract just for the rest of the season. So I get it. But I told them, you'll see me again. Mm. The legendary Chuck Daly told me something when I was a, a rookie because I, I, in practice, I did pretty well against Isaiah Thomas. And I knew in my heart that I could play in the NBA. But I knew that I didn't come from that desperation, pick up a guy full court mentality. I picked up somebody at half court because I felt I was good enough. Mm -hmm. And Chuck Daly looked at me one day. He had a little frown on his face, and he was nodding like, I said, what? You? Yeah, after I knew I made the team, by the way. It was after the cut deadline. So I was more honest, and I said, um, why are you always nodding your head negatively toward me? He said, Mike, because you're a waste. Mm. I said, what do you mean? He said, you're a waste of talent. He said, you have the ability way back then to be a starter in this league, but you're not hungry enough. And I looked at him and said, well, listen, man, I had five job offers coming out of Baylor. I don't need this. Mm. He then he looked at me and said, okay, so you can go work on Wall Street and make $60,000, $70,000 a year, right? He said, you can make more in one season than you can in 20 years. Mm-hmm. But you don't listen. You'll learn. Mm. And sure enough, after going through the parade on a championship team, I went to our general manager named Jack McCluskey and said, I want to be traded. And he looked at me and said, you're the 10th man on the team. You trying to demand a trade? <laughs> I said, well, I just want to see if I can play. I said, because I knew that I wasn't going to get an opportunity to play, thinking of what my dad said. I'm six foot two, 180 pounds. I'm going to be another year being a fourth guard in three-man rotation. And he said, Mike, we're going to win it again. And they beat Portland again. They traded me to Dallas. Dallas set me on the bench. and No, he traded me to Phoenix. They had Kevin Johnson, Dan Marley, and Jeff Hornacek, a three-man rotation that was younger than Isaiah, Vinny, and Joe. I'm sitting there, and then they traded me to Dallas. Dallas didn't play me at all and then cut me. And when I went to Rapid City, South Dakota, is when I got it, Mm. what Chuck Daly was telling me. And you know what I was doing? I was picking them guys up full court. Mm. I was working extra hard. So when you asked me earlier about different levels you can have a great athlete. There are great athletes all around the United States, all around the world. But what's the difference in that athlete getting to that next level? You think of a guy like Luka Doncic, who's a great basketball player. The game comes so easy to him. So I had sitting around arguing with a buddy of mine. And he said, who would you start if you were general manager and you had to pick one player? I said, it'd be him. He said, not LeBron James, not Kevin Durant. I said, no. Number one, he's 10 years younger, and the game comes so easy. I said, but the first thing I would do is I want to take a long trip with him, just Mm. me and him. Mm. And I want to ask him, 
how great do you want to be? Because he has that ability. And if he ever decides that he wants to be great, he's going to make the Hall of Fame. He stays healthy. He's going to break all the scoring records. He's going to be a perennial all-star. But if he want to go down as one of the greatest, he's already has, has a head start over everyone else. He's a great athlete, 6'8", and solid. Mm. He can handle, he can shoot, he can pass, he can dribble, he can do all of those things. But if you want to be great, it's about winning championships. Mm. And that takes a different type of discipline. You know, that's a great question to ask yourself. How bad do you want to be great? Do you want to be great? And the truth is, if you ask most ambitious people, because you have to have some level of ambition to even receive the question. You're right. right. (laughs) If you're not ambitious, that question goes right over your head, right? But if you have a level of ambition and you're able to receive that question, then it's not good enough to say, I want to be great, because everybody will give that answer. But do you understand what it's going to take? Do you really understand? Exactly. Do you understand and are you willing to give it all you've got to make the sacrifices to that that greatness calls you to make? Yeah. um, So the record, Calvin Murphy had the record, the NBA uh, most consecutive free throws. He had the record for 14 years. And a great player, better shooter than I was, Mark Price, the great basketball player. And he came out of Georgia Tech, strong believer as well. But he, he was a guy that shot a lot of jump shots. I went to the basket. And the Timberwolves record was 36 in a row. So I broke that record. I made 38 in a row. And Spud Webb was a friend of mine. So back then you had less teams. So when you go to see one of your buddies, and Spud and I grew up together here in Oak Cliff. He, he came out of Wilma Hutchins. He picked me up the night before. And I told him, so we're talking noise. I said, you know, I'm going to give it to you tomorrow. <laughs> and I ended up going 16 for 16. Wow. And I looked up, I made 54 free throws in a row. But all of the publicity was on Mark Price because he's Mark Price, a, uh, a Hall of Well, he should be a Hall of Famer, but he was an all-star. Mm-hmm. And he gets up to 77 in a row. The old record was 78. And a great shooter missed number 78. Wow. And then he went on to make another 20 in a row. Mm-hmm. So I got up to 54 in a row, and the media started asking me about the record. And I looked at Chuck Person one day, because that was my road dog. He and I came from Indiana together, so we spent a lot of time in Minnesota together. And I said, I'm going to break this record. He said, you're going to break the record? I said, listen, I'm going to break the record. And I started practicing different. My free throws, I would run extra lines, shoot free throws while while I was tired. I got to the point where... When I was shooting free throws, the ball had to go straight in. It couldn't hit the rim. So I'd have somebody under the basket saying, oh, that wouldn't hit the rim. And I had to make 10. So I had to make 10, but if I missed, I had to start all the way back over. Mm. Not 10 in a row, but I had to make 10. So I would sit there and make 30 free throws in a row before I got the 10 without hitting the rim. So to your point, it was it's not about how you work. It's not about how hard you're working. It's also about how you work. I heard a story by uh, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and he was talking about Steph Curry. I actually played with his dad, Dale Curry, who's a great shooter. They said he watched Steph Curry make 97 out of 100 three-pointers after practice. Wow. You understand? Wow. 97 out of 100. Yeah, after practice. After practice. So it's not the work you put in. It's how hard you work and how you train your brain to push yourself differently than anyone else. That's the difference. I want to talk about three-eye contracting. Thank you. 
because I know that you brought that same level of discipline and competitiveness, obviously, to 3i Contracting because you're one of the top CEOs. Uh, your company is is well known and continuing to 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 make impact and inroad. Um, let's talk about 3i Contracting. What led you to go there? What inspired you? And why is the company so successful today? Well, successful because we have good people, and and over the last twenty years, you have to. You have to evolve as an organization. I started out in 2001, mm -hmm. uh, started out uh, performing drywall. And people would ask me, because I was just out of the NBA, why not do big jobs, go partner with these large companies? I said, no, I'm going to start from ground roots. And I started out performing drywall. And I remember when Dallas Independent School District came out with a 2004 bond, I knew that I wanted to help people that look like me, black and brown. Mm -hmm. And we try to hire some of these young brothers uh, to tote that drywall. Mm -hmm. After they got their first check, they wouldn't they wouldn't tote any more <laughs> drywall. <laughs> so uh, I, I created some relationships, developed relationships with some of the larger companies, and I told them that I'm going to move into being a general contractor. And I never forget this. Mm. They guaranteed me five million dollars a year if I stayed a sub. Wow. And I went to my dad, and I said, Dad, why did they guarantee me $5 million to stay a sub? He said, it's about progress. Going back to my role model. Mm -hmm. So what do you mean progress? He said, by you becoming a general construction company, now you can give out contracts. Mm. And sure enough, as I moved into being a general contractor, they stopped giving me work as a drywall. And wow. these were my buddies. Wow. So everything was about progress. Mm -hmm. I, I love after the break is to really elaborate on where we've come from, what we're doing now, and where we really want to go. Well, let's talk about that real quick because we're going to be cutting, coming to the break in a second. Okay. Um, and I don't want to leave our listeners hanging. So take about another minute to talk about that vision. Yeah. We, we became the first African-American-owned company to build a new school from ground up in Dallas Independent School District's mm -hmm. history. Uh, currently, we're working on a $120 million project with uh, Beck, the Beck Company, and we just won uh, – um, uh, homes uh, uh, school, which is mm -hmm. about seventy million, with Beck. Wow. We uh, partnered to with with uh, Manhattan to build the Cowboy Stadium, AT and T Stadium, in okay. the prime position. Okay. And we've done over one hundred sixty million dollars in Houston Independent School District. So if you look at our platform, we perform more on the K through twelve and higher education side. Mm -hmm. And we also give almost 55% of all of our contracts to minority-owned firms. All right. So I get a kick out of organizations when they say they can't find minority right. participation. It's like, what? <laughs> then I look at uh, Because no. we do it every day. Right, right. The challenge that we have as we move to the, to the next level, whatever that looks like, um, is finding people in leadership that want to go there. Mm -hmm. You talk about the difference on being on a championship team like the Detroit Pistons or being on the team prior to Kevin Garnett, the Minnesota Timberwolves, you got to have a two to three to four people on that team that wants to be great. You look at Golden State, they have Draymond Green, uh, uh, Thompson, Clay Thompson, along with Steph Curry. And that's the, that's the catalyst of that organization. Mm -hmm. And you can move pieces around them. So we're still developing that. We have some strong people, but we're always looking for more. I'm looking for the best that want to come on. All right. 
Well, I got to tell you something, Mike Williams. You've been awesome on the show. Your wisdom you. is ridiculous. Uh, I think that the world needs to hear more from Mike Williams, Thank and you. certainly lives are going to be impacted by what you're doing. You coming on the show today is an indication that there is so much more that you can share that the world needs to hear. So hopefully we'll have you back soon and continue the conversation. Anytime, as long as you don't have me working out with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you and I share bump knees. <laughs> Thank so you, big of me no working out. Thank you, yeah. brother. Folks, we'll be right back after the break. Hi, this is Lynn Ellis with EcoFriends Organic Pest Control. Everyone wants to be healthy and is making tremendous efforts to be healthy and stay healthy through their diet, their cleaning products, lifestyle. But if you use any other type of pest control besides a green organic pest control, you have just undone everything you did. Visit us at ecofriendspestcontrol.com. That's ecofriends.com. Are you feeling stuck, unfulfilled, and wanting more? Frustrated you're not far enough along in your business, finance, relationships, or your health? My name is Luke Harlan, and I'm a transformational mindset coach helping people just like yourself confidently thrive in whatever area they focus on. And I invite you to attend my free master class where you'll learn how to master your thoughts, feelings, beliefs, and actions to achieve the life you've always imagined. Simply go to LukeHarlanCoaching.com to register. That's LukeHarlanCoaching.com. Are your sales lagging? Are you frustrated with your ability to effectively communicate the goodness of your product or service? Could your income greatly benefit from you getting better at selling? Hi, this is Jay Mamie, the host of the Jay Mamie Talk Show and the curator of the Thrive Sales Mastery Course. I want you to know that there are answers on how you can get better at the skill of selling. Go to my course, the Thrive Sales Mastery Course. Get the answers you need so you can experience the results you want. Thrive Sales Mastery. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. On the heels of a fantastic conversation with the CEO and founder of 3i Contracting and NBA champion, Mike Williams, comes another outstanding guest on the show who is going to give us information, and not only information, but actionable, implementable ways for CEOs to continue to be the champions that they thrive to be. And Deborah Sawyer is not only a chair of the Vistage Peer Advisory Group, but she's also an award-winning trusted advisor and CEO coach. She's an expert speaker in multicultural uh, situations, diversity, equity, and inclusion. But what's cool about her is that back in 2019, she was named one of the 50 most powerful women in technology by the National Diversity Council. And she's been quoted on matters uh, as such by the regional media outlets such as CNBC, Wall Street Journal, and the Atlanta Business Chronicle. A wealth of information, a recognized subject matter in this field. Deborah Sawyer, welcome to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Jay, good morning. It's wonderful to be with you. Deborah, before we dive into all the goodness that you've got to share, I'd like our listeners to learn a little bit about your story. Sure. I'm happy to share that with you. I was raised on a dairy farm in very rural northwest Georgia, as in there were nobody around for miles. Um, My father, Tom Sawyer, was a farmer, and he was married to my mother, who was a nurse. And growing up in a very rural area, you don't really know much about anything other than, you know, butcher, baker, candlestick maker. So I didn't really have an idea what I was going to be when I grew up. I just knew I wasn't going to marry a farmer and I wasn't going to be a nurse. 
So when I graduated high school, I kind of took off for the big university. And after that, landed a role in doing uh, market research and trend analysis. And that was very exciting for me. I was working in what I call small data compared to the big data of today and writing algorithms before they were called algorithms. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned this because this role led me to my first job with and one of the very large global executive search firms. I stepped into that search firm as a researcher, which is at pretty much the bottom rung inside a search firm, and over time rose up to the ranks to being a partner. And as I became a partner, I moved more into client advisement and less into the day-to-day piece of the recruitment. And I found that this client advisement area is what really took me to another level in working with my CEO Mm -hmm. clients. Mm -hmm. Uh, In 2006, I took an expat assignment and moved my husband, three daughters, and two dogs to Singapore. And remember, I'm from rural Georgia. I've been out of the U.S. like three times before this. And twice was for Mexico. So <laughs> this was a big, big adventure for us. Mm-hmm. And I will tell our listeners, if you ever have a chance to take the expat assignment, take it. I can tell you that my own personal growth was exponential during this time. And the impact it had on the clients I was serving in Asia was it, it, it was beyond anything I could have ever imagined. I, I can imagine that uh, going from a rural area halfway around the world to a, a different culture would have been uh, a bit of a culture shock, let's say. But obviously, yeah. you took advantage of that learning experience and to provide a few rich insight into not only developing yourself as a as a top notch uh, professional, but also working with different people with different mindsets uh, that may not necessarily come from the same background you've come from, but you did that really, really well, obviously. But then here we are, now you are a chair of the Vistage Peer Advisory Group. For our listeners who aren't familiar with the, with the organization, number one, what does the organization do uh, and what inspired you to become a chair on it? Okay. So peer advisory groups are at their very essence what they sound like. It's where uh, CEOs or other uh, levels, uh, CXOs, what have you, they come together, monthly basis, organized forums. A chair is the facilitator, and we get into very specific topics around what they are facing. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically as a CEO, what are we facing today? Uh, and they help each other really with their challenges and they help them. They identify what their growth opportunities might be. And between the group, they come up with how am I going to move this thing forward? And they hold each other accountable for that outcome. Now you mentioned challenges and I know Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a CEO and I know a, a number of them and there's no shortage of challenges, no shortages. So what are some of the common business challenges that you find are experienced by most CEOs today in your experience? So 
CEOs have always been tasked with creating the big picture strategy for their company, and they've been tasked to do this pretty much all by themselves. It's been up to them to establish a compelling vision to rally those employees, adapt to whatever marketplace shifts happen, and choose the best point of leverage to drive results. Now, add in what's going on in today's market. Mm -hmm. You've got work from home, work from anywhere. I'm going to make you come back into the office. i got a balanced culture between work from home and work in the office. I've got to look at DE&I initiatives. That's a must-have for this company today. We've got to attract talent. We've got to let talent go. We've got to manage disruption. We've got gas prices that are making my kids not want to go and eat my, you know, my, my employees not come into the office. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the great resignation, inflation, supply chain, and I like to throw in we have locusts coming. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. What could be more biblical than what's going on with the CEO today? And it can be very exhausting to be this person who is sitting alone on top of a pyramid by themselves. Yeah. And it always sounds kind of, you know, quirky to say, oh, you know, I'm just alone by myself, but they really are. And so to bring them in to a CEO group where they can talk openly, because nobody in the group is competing with them, mm-hmm. so they can have open, honest discussions about what they're facing and get a feel from what their fellow CEO is doing with the exact same issue. I think that's so critical to have an environment where CEOs can feel like there is nothing uh, that they have to worry about in terms of competition. Uh, they don't have to watch their back. Uh, there's no cutthroat. I think there's an advantage to that. So in your observations, and what, what would you say are the personal um, and, and business advantages that you've seen happen when like-minded, executive-minded individuals, CEO-minded individuals get together in that safe, confidential, and non-competitive environment? Well, there's just, I mean, there are just breakthroughs. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we do all this in a very confidential, you know, setting where we all say that, you know, we're like in Vegas. But, you know, some of the things that I have seen just in my year of some aha moments with a few of the CEOs, who were having difficulty with not just what was going on inside their business, but what was kind of going on the outside, the investors, for example. And if you're ever dealing with private equity, you've got a whole different thing to bring to the table. Uh, And again, talking about things around supply chain and inflation and within Vistage, we have our groups. So you have a group that's chaired by someone such as myself. Uh, we have monthly meetings together. We have speakers that come in. And then you, you know, the big bonus is you get to spend two hours with me, one-to-one, going through a lot of things. But beyond all of that, what Vistage brings to its members are extended groups, if you will, networks, virtual networks, where you can go into like the manufacturing network and say, I'm looking for a very specific solenoid for this engine part. And you will get replies back as to where another Vistage member, maybe somewhere across the globe, has found the solenoids and has a supply for of them. 
And we just finished this very uplifting uh, women in leadership uh, uh, webinar, well, or whatever you want to call it, virtual uh, networking organization. We had three top-notch speakers and a whole group of CEOs, CEO, female CEOs from across the world, uh, participating virtually uh, for three hours. And so we offer all these other opportunities to reach out across the aisle and talk to your fellow members and other places. Uh, we also have our own original research that we do. We, we offer all sorts of studies. We work very closely with a economic uh, organization called ITR Research, mm -hmm. and they are providing us by our markets uh, quarterly information on what to expect. They have given us a heads up in February what to expect with the rate increase and how much they thought it was going to happen, and they were right on, on par. Uh, so it, it gives a person an opportunity to get out of their safe space, talk to fellow CEOs, feel good about the input they're getting. And again, at the end of the day, it's all about accountability. We're doing a 21-day challenge around uh, gratitude and small acts of kindness. And we have all set our intentions mm -hmm. for the next 21 days. It started on July 1st, still in July 21st. We have accountability partners. I have to check in with every three days to tell them what the, the three things I'm grateful for, how I've done random acts of kindness, anything along that line, so that we can, as CEOs, begin to relax, reflect, and recharge. I like that. Relax, reflect, and recharge. Deborah, where can a, a, a high-level executive or a CEO, where can they go to learn more about you and Vistage Peer Advisory Group in our final 30 seconds? Okay. Well, the easiest way to reach out to me is on LinkedIn. It's very easy. It's linkedin.com backslash I am backslash Deborah Sawyer. And you can always go to vistage.com to learn more about the organization and where a peer group might be in your market area. Well, we appreciate you being on the show, bringing value to the CEO world. And I know that you're going to have tremendous success as a chair of Vista's Peer Advisory Group. Thanks for being on the show, Deborah. Folks, we'll be right back after the break. We are living in a world that is changing rapidly. It can be volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. It is also ripe with opportunity for those with a prepared mind. I'm Ron Holloway, founder and owner of Aero Coaching, LLC. Through coaching, consulting, and training, I help individuals and organizations develop the ability to recognize change and quickly adapt so they can be the fittest in their environment. If you're interested in learning more, check out Aero Coaching, LLC at aeroperformancecoach.com. Hi, this is AJ with AmericanTopAttorneys.com. Have you ever had the need to get legal advice? We have created a platform where you as a consumer can find the top attorneys in America. You can search for top-rated attorneys in over 176 legal practice areas. You can search by city, state, and even zip code for free. Every time you use our site, it helps us fund scholarships to deserving students. If you need an attorney, search where America finds its top attorneys. Visit AmericanTopAttorneys.com to search now. 
Are your sales lagging? Are you frustrated with your ability to effectively communicate the goodness of your product or service? Could your income greatly benefit from you getting better at selling? Hi, this is Jay Mamie, the host of the Jay Mamie Talk Show and the curator of the Thrive Sales Mastery Course. I want you to know that there are answers on how you can get better at the skill of selling. Go to my course, the Thrive Sales Mastery Course. Get the answers you need so you can experience the results you want. Thrive Sales Mastery. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. I get excited about meeting people that are launching businesses because it shows a lot of courage. It shows tenacity. It shows uh, the belief that a person has in themselves and in their product or service or opportunity that they step out in faith and put it all on the line to give others a better experience. And that's why our local spotlight today, here local meeting the DFW spotlight, I'm excited to have TK Matheson because he just launched a comedy club restaurant, just a wonderful lounge area that I had a chance to recently visit. I was amazed at the beauty of it. And I thought to myself, let's let's get around people that are, again, stepping out in faith. Let's get around people that are providing good services. Let's get them on the show. So I'm excited to have the owner of TK's, TK Madison, on the show. TK, welcome to the Jay Maybe Talk Show. Uh, hey, I want to thank you for having me today, man. This means a lot. I really appreciated the fact that you came up to me in my club and we talked and uh, to be part of this, actually. Well, TK, I know you've got a lot to share, but before we dive into the, the, the restaurant, the everything that you've got lined up that you're offering those here in the area, uh, tell us a little bit about your story, though. Okay, well, I'm originally from Garland, and in 99, I moved to L.A. to do stand-up comedy, and I, I wrote for Joan Rivers Fashion Police for a few episodes. I was on Comedy Central, Comics Unleashed Byron Allen, and was producing high-end shows and having a really good time doing it. I met my wife out there. Uh, in 2010, but with the uh, lockdown, with the pandemic, we thought it was time to come back home. So coming back during a pandemic, what in the world inspired you then? Obviously, you had the credentials, you've had the experience of being in the world of entertainment and comedy, but it's a whole other ballgame to open up your own place with your own name and, and really put your neck out on the line here. What inspired you to do that in the middle of a pandemic? Well, to be honest with you, Jay, we wanted to do it in uh, California. Okay. And when pandemic hit that kind of put the brakes on that but we were coming back to texas to see my wife's brother matt in houston and coming back my wife was like let's do it here because the lockdown was minimal compared to california mm -hmm. so we felt there was an opportunity and to be honest with you it's just a god thing it really is it's a jesus thing that everything just kind of started falling into place when we came out here we came out here on faith you know, that, that's what I said early on, beginning of the segment, right? It's, it's, it's stepping out in faith because at the end of the day, that's all you've got. And any business, doesn't matter how good or how solid those plans are, ultimately, there's no guarantees. You just have to step out in faith and belief in yourself as well that you've got a good product. So let's talk about then How did you arrive at opening up the, the comedy club uh, in the area that you're in? And because it, it's gorgeous on the inside, walk us through how you created that environment. Well, yeah, I mean, I appreciate that question. We're, you know, we're fairly close to the uh, the Addison Improv, but we have a different venue altogether because we felt that the uh, old way of doing comedy clubs is 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 not archaic, but it's it's been done. So with us having uh, a comedy showroom with a full restaurant dinner side. The full wraparound bar, we've got the patio next to the pond that holds 75. 
But then when we discovered there was storage underneath, we wanted to make that a speakeasy so that it's a one-stop shop. So people can come in, even if they don't want to see comedy that night, they can go to the speakeasy, they can have dinner, they can go on the patio. So it really doesn't limit us to just stand-up comedy, although we have great comedy. And we're going to dive into the comedy section in a minute, but I, I've got to share with our listeners. Uh, and again, those are free, those, those that are now living in, in Dallas, in this area, you're, it's an easy hop, skip, and a jump to come on over. Those of you that are listening outside of Dallas, you've got to make this place one of your stopping uh, uh, stopping visits when you're here in the area because it's just, uh, I've never seen a comedy club quite like this. And I, and I love comedy up into a number of shows and a number of different locations, especially coming from New York. Um, but this one really is just a, a classy spot. And uh, I think you'll enjoy it. But the, the comedy agenda, how are you attracting some of the best talent? Uh, simply because, to be honest with you, I was out in L.A. from 99 to 2020. So I just built relationships with these uh, great comics. I was doing an eight-year run at the Hollywood Improv that I did twice a month on Sundays. Wow. It's like Chris Rock, Robin Williams, Louis C.K., David Spade. Guys would just pop in, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and I had a pretty good show on Sunday, so... I got to know a lot of uh, these heavyweights, Jimmy Schubert, guys that uh, that are really just super talented. You know, we live in a time because of all the negativity, TK, that's out there. And you don't have to go very far, but tune into your radio, go online, watch the news, whatever. And have, listen, just have basic conversations with your friends, family, neighbors, and colleagues. And there's no shortage of negativity that people are surrounded by. So being able to bring this kind of venue where it, it just brings a smile back onto someone's face, I think it's a stroke of genius. I know you had it planned already, but but that sometimes the timing has to be right for something to occur. And I do believe the doors open for you in a way that you had to walk through them in order for, for you to find this venue at this time, at the right place during a time that I think people really need an uplifting. Um, so walk us through the experience then of TK's. Yeah, you know, you're you're 100% right. Um, like I said, we wanted the, uh, the one-stop shop and we wanted to be elegant. My wife uh, did a lot of the design work in the restaurant side and in the speakeasy. Uh, my partner, Mike Quinn's wife, Megan, and my wife really designed a lot of that speakeasy. And I did the showroom. We really wanted to be elegant. We really wanted to push customer service because I feel a lot of times customer service is so lacking. But mm -hmm. the fact that we're the managing partners, we're always there just to talk to people, make sure they're having a good time. And if if something's going wrong, that we're there to correct it when it happens, because we do want people to come back and, and feel seen and feel that it's like their neighborhood bar, like a cheers. Guys, I can't talk enough about TK's. It's a fantastic spot. If you're looking for a great night out, make sure that you pop on by there. Tika, can you share the address and the site so people can jot it down? Yeah, it is. Uh, 14854 Montfort Drive, M O N T F O R T. The website, tkscomedy.com, tkscomedy.com. And folks, that wraps up another fantastic week of the J Mamie Talk Show. Take the next seven days, make them thriving. We'll see you next week.